Bubbler Talk, quenching Milwaukee's thirst for knowledge. I'm WUWM's Lena Tran. Milwaukee boasts many architectural gems. City Hall, the Calatrava, the Wisconsin Gas Building. I'm discovering more and more every day. That's listener Reginald Jones. He's always been interested in architecture. At 14, he learned how to maintain marble and terrazzo floors. One of the first jobs I ever had in my early teens was a building that was uh, one of the landmark movie theaters, known as the Garfield Theater. So he was wondering... Who were the architects and civil engineers in the early days of Milwaukee at the city's outset? To find out, we'll go back to the 1830s. White settlers from the East Coast were flocking to frontier towns on Lake Michigan's western shore. Patrick Young, a historian at MSOE, dug through early histories of Milwaukee. He names a couple land speculators, most notably Byron Kilborn, one of the three city founders. Kilborn was trained as a civil engineer and arrived in 1835, making him among the city's first. But he didn't actually do much engineering. He wanted to get rich. If you wanted to get rich, you know, one of the ways to do that in early 19th century America was to buy land and sell it to somebody else for more. They were buying from the federal government. The U.S. forcibly acquired land around Chicago and southeastern Wisconsin through an 1833 treaty as part of the Indian Removal Act. But the land in Milwaukee was all swamp. So settlers began the work of sculpting the landscape, bringing down bluffs and using it to fill the marsh. They flattened hills, filled gullies, turned soggy bogs into solid ground. A city rose from water. In 1835, Solomon Juno, another founder and the first mayor of Milwaukee, contracted two young brothers from New York to grade Water Street from Wisconsin Avenue south to the river. You didn't necessarily need civil engineers to do all that. The Olins graded the first street in Milwaukee, and they were just simple farmers. It didn't take a lot of technical skill to take a team of horses and level off a swath of land to create a street. This work happened bit by bit as three founding villages grew, Walker's Point in the south, Juneau Town in the east, and Kilbourne Town in the west. Later, the three merged to form the city of Milwaukee. Probably the most important thing they did that we can still see today are the layouts of the streets. Once they bought the land, they would start dividing it out. They would say, this is where a street's going to go. This will be a lot. This will be a lot. What did they put on those streets? The very first buildings were humble. But in the mid-1800s, as Milwaukee boomed, architects helped shape the city's identity. To learn more, I head to Cathedral Square to meet Michael Carrier, another MSOE historian. St. John's Cathedral is across the street. Cheerful Cream City brick pops against the bright blue winter sky, something you'll see in many of Milwaukee's historic buildings. It's the work of German-born Victor Schulze, one of Milwaukee's earliest trained architects. He ventured west from Philadelphia in the 1840s. And you can tell by their architecture that the people building them and ultimately paying for them see them as incredibly important to the city. It was meant to suggest that this is an important building, that religion for Milwaukee is an important institution. Schulte's peers included other transplants, like George Mygat and James Douglas. They drew from European styles. That was the way most American architects prior to the 20th century were trained. They were trained in the Beaux-Arts style. They were looking to Europe as the ultimate authority on what design should look like. 
Another part of the church's legacy? This is a really important brick structure, not only for the city of Milwaukee, but across the United States and sort of what you could do with the brick. Milwaukee does get this reputation of cream city brick. Where does that start? It starts with buildings like this in the mid-19th century. So that's the first civil engineers and architects. But here's the thing about first. Sometimes they obscure other chapters of history. Head north from the church, and a spot at Lake Park shares an earlier story. A gentle slope rises from the earth. There's a baseball diamond just behind it. Beyond that, Lake Michigan glints through the trees. It's one of the last Native American burial mounds in the area. Last year, Bill Quackenbush, the Ho-Chunk Tribal Preservation Officer, spoke with WUWM about another such mound at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. It's within our ancestral footprint and within our, our areas that we call our home. Once, hundreds of these earthworks scattered the region. A 1923 Milwaukee Journal headline reads, Milwaukee built on 200 Indian mounds. Ruthless march of civilization has nearly destroyed all traces of early native occupancy. Quackenbush works to protect what has survived. We are where we're at today, still in Wisconsin here, attempting to assure that our culture remains intact as it is and begin to strengthen it in areas where it has been decimated. From the sidewalks of Water Street to age-old mounds, the built environment is a reminder of the many who have walked before us. Lena Tran, 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Support for this season of Bubbler Talk comes from UW Credit Union. What do you want to know about the Milwaukee area? Submit your question at wuwm.com slash bubblertalk.